All people are when you manifestations obey God's word of that was built by slaves. Reality. And I watch my daughters. There is so nobody that respects women more than I do. There's a lot of crisis, a lot of bad. This. As I'm sure you've heard about, this last week, there was an incident in Washington, D.C. It began with a rally of people who believed that the election was stolen from Donald Trump and that a great evil had been done. As many people foresaw, things escalated and got violent. A mob assembled and broke into the nation's capital. Several people were killed. Many more were injured, terrorized, and traumatized. An American space, an important symbol of our democracy and freedom, was vandalized, desecrated. They flew Confederate, Christian, and Nazi flags all together, all being used in an attempt to overthrow the results of what all the courts, authorities, and experts had judged to be a fair and normal election. And for many of us, it was a very dark day for our nation and for democracy in general. So I'd like to ask you a question, though. And before you assume what I'm getting at with this question, I would ask you just flow with me here for a few minutes to see where this goes. Here's my question for you. Was what happened at the Capitol objectively evil? Just sit with that for a second. Okay, let's look at another story. In the summer of last year, 2020, the brutal murder of George Floyd by police officers in Minneapolis sparked protests all over the world. And sometimes out of these protests, mobs have assembled. I saw on the news today that even last night in Portland, one group tried to break into the police department there in Portland a mob of like 100 people, broke windows and spray-painted the walls, vandalized the property, but they weren't able to get into the police department, so they proceeded to go into the city and riot and destroy the property of other people's businesses. And through the last several months, mobs like this have not only broken into buildings, stolen things, vandalized, uh, but they've caused a lot of fear and traumatization themselves. Some people have died. So let me ask that question again. Was what happened in Portland evil? Objectively evil. So I wanted to ask you about both of those stories and what your feelings are about them. Not to equate them, because I don't think the two stories are equal. But I wanted to use these two stories because I'm guessing how you feel about each of these scenarios is different. It's pro- they're probably not in a, an emotionless vacuum of objectivity. My guess is that one of the stories probably felt more evil to you. Or at least one of the stories you're probably more likely to share about on social media and post about how evil one of those events were. And if you're like most people, it's likely that if you posted about one of those events, you probably didn't post about the other one. And this is true for me too. I didn't post about the Portland thing. 
I posted some thoughts about DC. And why is this? Why is it that so many of us, what seems like the most evil thing to me, for somebody else, it might not even be evil. It might be completely justified. And vice versa. What seems like a good thing for me, some people think is very evil. Have you noticed that we don't have you know, like a ruler for good and evil. (laughs) There's no measuring stick. There's no universal objective way of measuring whether something is good or bad. There's no scale that we can all agree. We look at an action and go, oh, okay, it's all right. Don't worry, that action only registered a 0.5 on the evil scale. That's not how it works. We all have vastly different takes on what is good and what is evil. When I was 15, I knew those godless evolutionists were bad. What they were doing was evil. A decade later, I switched teams and knew those biblical creationists, what they were doing was, was bad. They were hurting people. They were hurting the world with what they were doing. Many Republicans know The Democrats are evil communists. And many Democrats know that Republicans are evil Nazis. Many evangelical Christians think gay people are disgusting, evil hedonists. Many gay people think evangelical Christians are judgmental, evil hypocrites. You see this everywhere. Pro-life People can see the pro-choice team as a bunch of godless baby killers. And the pro-choice people can see the pro-life people as a bunch of patriarchal, women-hating Puritans. So who's right? What is good? What is evil? How do we know? How can we possibly determine? And if we want to start trying to answer those questions in any useful way, I think we have to first understand what it is that we're even talking about. Like, what what does it even mean for something to be good or evil? Can a tree, for instance, be evil? When I was a kid, my family used to listen to this audiobook called uh, Anthony and the Grublets. And there was this part of the story where Anthony goes into this dark evil forest called Direwood. Ooh, it was a real scary moment of the book. He goes in there and all these trees sing to him because in Direwood you disappear, right? So the trees sing to him when he enters the forest. What are you doing here? Is it you have no fear? The legend says you'll disappear alone in Diawood. Oh, it was very scary. One of the things my dad used to get a kick out of was... uh, after ice cream nights, we'd go to Dairy Queen. We lived in Marshfield, Wisconsin. There wasn't a lot of ice cream places. We'd go to Dairy Queen, 
No judgment on Dairy Queen. That sounded like I was really like judging Dairy Queen. Dairy Queen is delicious. <laughs> but we go and 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 then there was this park right next to it, right next to the Dairy Queen called Wildwood Park. And he would drive us as we were eating our blizzards and drinking our Mr. Misties into this forest. And when he'd do it, we'd go, Dad, don't do the th- don't do the direwood thing. And he'd be like, don't worry. But then he'd shut off the the lights. Dad, no! He'd shut off the headlights. (laughs) And he'd go, what are you doing? We'd go, no! We'd scream. He'd laugh. I mean, you know, it was the late 80s, early 90s, when none of us used words like trauma or nervous system. It was fine. Anyway, the point is that those trees in that forest, in Wildwood Park at night, ooh, they felt evil. And you look out of that darkened car and you see those trees all over and you're thinking, oh, as a kid, those were evil trees. But were they actually evil? Can a tree actually be evil? It's kind of... What does that even mean, right? What 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 would it mean for a tree to be evil? What is evil? Is evil a property of something that can be observed, measured, weighed? I mean, there are terms that I think about if we say something is heavy. There's a subjectivity still to the word heavy. In other words, like what is heavy to me may not be heavy to you. So we might not be able to agree exactly what objects are heavy, but we can at least agree on what heavy means, right? We actually know what we're talking about when we are debating whether something is heavy or not. We're talking about how difficult it is to lift it. And that's not true with evil, right? I mean, we can't find some aspect of evil or of something real in the world, like a tree. And we can't go, okay, is this evil? And we look for something. We're not looking for a something that can be observed, measured, or weighed about the tree, right? There's nothing objective that we're trying to look for when we're looking for good and evil. What we're looking for when we talk about something that's good or evil is our feelings about something, right? I mean, you can look at a tree when you're a kid. I mean, you know, I don't want to judge the adults that believe in evil trees. Maybe maybe you believe that some trees are evil. (laughs) We can look at a tree and feel that it is evil or feel that it is good. Ooh, look at this tree. This is a good tree. But those feelings, what the goodness or the evil, don't actually exist in the tree in any sort of objective way. Those feelings exist as part of our subjective experience. In other words, there would be no way to come up with a consensus with the rest of humanity on which exact trees are good and which are evil. Because there would be no objective anything for us to even have a conversation about. Which tree feels to one person to be evil probably would feel good to another. 
And that's really true about all good and evil. Like what feels evil to one person feels good to another. And there's really no objective way of saying who is right except for belief. Right? If I believe the Bible is true, you know, I believe it because I just know. I just know it's true. And then the Bible says that this thing is bad. Then me who believes the Bible, I can, I can believe it actually is bad in an objective way because it's referring to something that I just know is true already. So for me, then I can believe. It doesn't even feel like a belief at that point. It's a, it feels like a knowledge. Well, I know the Bible's true and the Bible says it, so it's clear. I know this is objectively bad. Or if I believe that equality is the ultimate good, it's just an inalienable human right. And I just know it, right? Just like the Bible believer knows that the Bible is true, I just know this is true. Then I can know that inequality is objectively and truly bad. Not in a subjective way, but in a real objective way. But if I don't have any beliefs, how can I make those sorts of judgments? Again, there is no objective substance to evil that we can all perceive or measure. What does evil look like? What does it smell like? What does it sound like, feel like, taste like? There are no universally agreed upon answers to what evil is, as opposed, you know, like there is to say how many hydrogen atoms are bonded to a single oxygen atom in the chemistry of water. It doesn't matter what you believe about water. H2O is measurable. And in that way, it's an objective reality. Good and evil are not like that. That seems pretty straight ahead. (laughs) But about a week ago, I tweeted something about this, and boy, oh boy, people didn't like it. They called me evil. They called me stupid. They called me retarded. Uh, Somebody tweeted about that somebody should hit me in the head with a bat, and then I could see if I believe in evil then. A lot of jokes about uh, me being a freshman philosophy student that smokes too much weed, which uh, sounds kind of nice, actually. But uh, I don't have time for that shit. But the point (laughs) was they were very triggered and defensive. And I get it. I think I get why. Because if there's no good or bad, objectively, then one can justify anything, right? Well, yeah, I know I murdered all those people, but good and bad are just subjective. And for me, it's good. And so we go, no, you can't do that. That's very dangerous. It's very dangerous. We can't have a world in which everyone just goes around doing whatever they want, But I have a question for you. Another question. I'm asking you a lot of questions. Is it wrong to poke yourself in the eye? Is it it evil to poke yourself in the eye purposefully? 
Now, the definition of evil, I looked it up because it is such an abstract concept. I was like, how do we even define it? In the dictionary, the best uh, definition I could find was something that brings sorrow, distress, or calamity. Because the other definitions were all like using other indefinable terms, like profoundly immoral and wicked. What does that even mean? We haven't defined that yet. So I thought this was a pretty good definition, though. Something that brings sorrow, distress, or calamity. Poking yourself in the eye would fit that description, right? Bring sorrow, (laughs) distress. But for most of you, you're not busy poking yourself in the eyeballs all day. And you don't actually need to frame the issue in terms of good and evil. You don't have to go, it's evil, I better not do it, I better not poke myself in the eye, it's, oh, that would be so bad. (laughs) And you can see, if somebody's doing that, if somebody, if you heard somebody doing that, if I got in here and was like, guys, I just need you to not, I mean, not I need you, God needs you. To not poke yourself in the eye. It's the worst. It's the worst thing. Shame on you for poking yourself in the eye. (laughs) What would you think? You'd be like, what's with this guy? Why does this guy want to poke eyes? (laughs) Why does he want to poke his own eyes? What's wrong with him? Right? Because you would know I'd just be like projecting something. You could feel how silly. Because you don't need that framework do you you don't need the framework of good and evil to not poke yourself in the eye you just naturally don't want to maybe you felt what it feels like to get poked in the eye and you're like eh, not interested now let's say though that you had maybe some sort of psychological situation where maybe you wanted to what if you did want to Or imagine you had a kid that wanted to. You could imagine that there might be a scenario where you might find it to be useful to say, listen, Billy, you keep poking yourself in the eye. It's not good. It's not good to do that. You shouldn't do that. Right? Because we don't want Billy to keep poking himself in the eye. So we might utilize a sort of overly simplistic duality of good and bad, of a you should do this to try to practically help Billy not poke himself in the eye. It's a, it's a little strange of a scenario because most people don't do that. Let's make it a little bit more realistic. Let's talk about, I have a little six-year-old named Lucy. If Lucy wants to go to the grocery store and steal a candy bar from the aisle. What do I say to her as her dad? Well, I say, no, Lucy, you can't do that. No, we have to pay for that. But what if Lucy was very adamant? No, I'm taking this. And every time we go there, she's trying to take it. At some point, I'm probably going to go, Lucy, that's bad. You cannot do that. You cannot steal. It's bad to steal. It's wrong. Okay? But is good and evil really the only reason not to steal a candy bar from the grocery store? No, there are plenty of 
other reasons. If you, if you have no belief or concept of good or evil, if you have no sense of righteousness that you're trying to be a good person whatsoever, and you just follow your own selfish instincts for yourself, there are plenty of reasons to not steal from the grocery store. All right. I mean, you could go to jail uh, or, you know, just be shamed, but they put your picture up on the wall. You could, uh, and also how does it make you feel to hurt other people in ways where you take their things and don't pay for it? Uh, that affects other people. And how does that make you feel to know that a hardworking local business owner you're taking stuff from them and not paying. If you have any sense of moral development, if you have any, uh, you know, basic human respect and, and you've developed to a human to a certain degree, you don't have to frame it as good or evil to not steal the candy bar. There's plenty of other reasons. There's plenty of other incentives to not steal, to behave morally other than to believe that it's objectively evil to steal the candy bar. So what I'm getting at here is that the belief in an objective good and evil is not the same thing as being immoral. It's not the same thing as not caring about morality or living morally. In fact, I actually think belief in an objective good and evil actually makes us more prone to what we would call evil in the long run. And I'll explain more of what I mean by that in a minute. But let me just acknowledge for a moment that what I'm saying is very counterintuitive for the ego. And as such, it can actually feel kind of threatening, kind of scary, or even what I'm saying can feel evil because the ego has all these sort of defensive structures up specifically about good and evil. We were so trained as kids, to be good. And for many of us, we felt like the love of our parents, our primary caregivers, was conditional upon us being good. And so it, our sense of goodness is often related to our very sense of safety, our sense of belonging, our sense of who we are. And so this can be a very triggering thing to dig into but I actually think there's good reason to dig into it. Because like I said, when this is unexamined, when we don't realize that when we're calling something good and evil, we're calling it from somewhere that we're seeing with eyes through a brain and a body that has experienced trauma and stories and history and memories and like, it's not a clean take of things. It's not an objective take. When we don't see that, it's easy to move into us and them mentalities. It's easy to cut off parts of ourselves, part of our neighbors, those people, to dehumanize, to scapegoat, to commit violence against. What genocide has happened without the killing group thinking that the killed group is evil in some way? It's difficult to fight wars against people without othering them first, without 
putting them lower on the good and evil scale. So much of the violence in the world is because we know they are the bad guys, we are the good guys. But that sort of oversimplified duality, it really makes us feel safe and secure, doesn't it? And maybe your ego's flaring up a bit right now. I imagine at least a few are. You want to defend your position. But it is evil. It is objectively evil. Genocide is objectively evil, no? And I have no problem calling genocide evil. I think that's something worth saving the word evil for. Genocide, if anything's evil, genocide is evil. But it's evil from here. When I wash my hands, I kill countless organisms on my hand. All these little bacteria and stuff, like, they're all dying. It's a form of life genocide. We're killing all this life. And if you were one of those bacteria, it might, it might be a horrendous moral evil. And it really would be for you. But if you're a human, from there, it's actually not. It's actually a good. It helps people. Helps me stay healthy. Helps people I'm in contact with stay healthy by me being clean, washing my hands, having basic sanitation, and killing billions of organisms. But the ego really gets scared here. Because it goes, but... (laughs) How can you say those things are not objectively evil? But remember the tree. Can a tree be good or evil? Can things, can anything be good or evil? Can you smell it? What does evil smell like? What does it look like? What does it sound like? What does it taste like? What, what is the shape of evil? We can't answer these questions because there is no shape to evil. There's, it's not an objective reality. It's an experience. If you put the meat of Hitler's brain down on the table, is that meat evil? Like you take it away from his body, you take it away from the actual actions of Hitler, and you just go, is this meat by itself? Just like asking if the tree is evil. Is this, is this matter that's not even alive evil? Uh, what does that mean? No. It's just stuff. It's just molecules. If we're looking from somewhere, though, and we go, in a world where we don't want to kill entire races of people simply because they are different than us, if that's the kind of world we want to live in, then yes, we can say confidently, that's evil to kill people. If we're looking, if we want a world where we don't have insurrections led by the President of the United States when he has a hissy fit because he lost, then we can look at what happened in D.C. and go, that's evil. And it's why the other side can look at it and go, no, what was evil was trying to steal the election. And that's messy, folks. But it's messier when we actually believe 
if <laughs> the messier part would not be to hold a little gray space here and be like, I think this is evil, but I'm not going to dehumanize scapegoat or commit violence against my human family because people are not fundamentally, objectively evil. The evil, the, the darkest evil, the most insidious evil is when I believe that I am righteous. And I, with that righteousness, get to do whatever the end demands, whatever means it calls for. If that means we got to break into the capital, so be it. We're on the righteous side. We're the patriots. You see what I'm saying? The belief in the goodness, the inherent objective goodness, is what justifies anything. And then we're just disagreeing with each other about which side is the good one. But if we cannot reduce reality into this dualism, it actually makes us more skillful with our moral, with our morality, with our ethics, with our convictions. Because then we can notice what we're desiring. Because that's really where it comes down to. Our sense of good and evil is tied to our sense of our desires and our aversions. And ultimately, our very sense of identity, of who we are. I am the good guy, the protagonist, the arbiter and center of all truth and justice and beauty in the whole cosmos, says the ego. And if there's no objective evil, that leaves a problem for my ego, because then how can I be a good and special boy? Because that's really at the heart of this, right? Is Mommy told me that was bad. And darn it, I am not a bad boy. Love me, Mommy. See me. Love me. I'm good. Please love me. We're afraid. We want to be good so that we can be safe. We want to feel loved. We want to feel special. From our parents, from our friends, from God. I think there's actually something kind of sweet and lovely about this aspect of the ego. We seek love. And in the seeking, there is finding. So... All of this works together in a way. The ego's part of it too. A part of what makes all of this so beautiful and wondrous. So I'm really not trying to get rid of the concept of good and evil. <laughs> it can be a very helpful tool. I think a lot of us need it. We need those concepts to keep us in line. But maybe we can figure out how to use the concepts of good and evil as tools as opposed to being imprisoned by them in ways that divide us from ourselves and each other and our source. You see, that's what, in a way, believing in evil is the source of evil. There's a paradox in there. Think of the Garden of Eden. 
What caused the fall? Eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's what made evil come into the world. Dividing the world into good and evil. If this, what I'm saying doesn't make sense to you, it's, I don't want this to sound condescending at all. It really is fine. I was talking to a friend month, well, it was about a year ago. I was talking to a friend who was telling me about Dumbo, the story, you know, the movie that, about the flying elephant. And uh, I hadn't seen it in a while. And he was reminding me about the feather thing. And it was kind of a brilliant insight that I thought he had about how Dumbo thought that he needed this feather to fly, right? He had this feather and he thought he needed the feather to fly. But he actually didn't. He didn't, it wasn't actually a magic feather. He just, he thought he needed it. And there's a whole kind of dramatic scene where he loses the feather and he has to fly. What does he do? What does he do? And he finally realizes that the flying is just within himself. So it's like this beautiful metaphor. But there's an interesting aspect to that, that he kind of actually did need the feather. <laughs> it, while he needed it, he needed it. it. It helped give him confidence. It helped him center himself. Whatever he needed to experience to be able to find that ability to fly within himself, the feather was part of it. So if you had not given him the feather at the beginning, he wouldn't have been able to learn what he needed to learn. And in the same way, your morality, the things that you just know are objectively good and bad, and you know that that's a a needed construct for you, maybe it is. He needs the feather while he needs it until he doesn't need it. And what if you looked at tools like morality, like a how rigid are visions of good and evil are if it's a a tool that we can use if it's a sort of training wheels for morality that as the baby grows up and we go no that's bad to steal the candy bar that has its use for its time and then eventually hopefully the moral development moves beyond a simple dualism into a more felt embodied empathy and love. Is that what it, that's what it comes down to at the end, is the highest moral good cannot come from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It cannot come from duality. When we actually become love, Unconditional love that loves everything and everyone as they are now. It is in that space where we see beyond the constrictions of believed good and evil within ourselves and within others that we can actually see each other for who we really are. We can actually see that everybody's trying their best. And that's not to justify actions or to 
encourage bad behavior. It's to make space for truly good behavior, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all that stuff. The fruit of the Spirit is not the fruit of the ego. It's the desire of the ego. But the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the life that is fully surrendered, that has embodied the love and the empathy and the beauty and the truth in a way beyond concept. In the way, in the same way that you don't poke your own eye, not because it's bad. It's just why would you? Why would you do that? Why would I poke my own eyes? Why would I poke my own neighbor's eyes? It's me. It's still me. This, the all. Why would I harm myself if I remember who I am? And then it becomes like the Zen teachers talk about, water dripping off a leaf. The leaf doesn't have to do anything. The leaf doesn't have to believe that it should obey gravity and allow the water to slide off of it. It doesn't have to believe that it would be bad for it not to let the water slide off of it. The natural fruit of you living in and as the Spirit is love. You will behave morally if you see who you are. And this is not, again, a prescription for anybody. It's not to say, so get rid of good and evil concepts and just know that you're God and then you'll be fine. I'm not not saying you should do anything. But I'm inviting you to notice this moment. Just for a moment. Just notice this very moment. Without beliefs about what should be happening just with a second, just let all that stuff go for a second, forget all the stories for a second and just look at your actual experience of this very moment and tell me what's missing without making something up. What's missing without imagining something that doesn't exist. What's the problem here with this moment? Well, it should be riding a unicorn. (laughs) If you believe that, if you really believe that, that you should be riding a unicorn right now, you're going to suffer. You'll be in hell. But if you don't believe that, if you just notice what is completely surrendered to what is, to this moment, that's not surrendered to evil in the world and what they might do with that or what has happened back then. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I'm talking about this moment. The only moment that is. Is there good or evil in this moment? 
or is it just is as it is? Namaste.